1: Our scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 1. Here are these words. Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote, concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning, right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, "'This is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but in only a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit.'" As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, "'Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now?' Jesus replied, It isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away, and as they were staring toward heaven... Suddenly, two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we are in the season of Easter. Did you know that Easter was a season? It's not just one day, it's a season. It's actually a season of 50 days. If you think about Lent, the season of Lent that happens before Easter, that's 40 days. The season of Lent is a uh, a time of repentance, of a time of returning to God. Sometimes we sacrifice, we give up things during the season of Lent to draw us closer to God, uh, to give us maybe just a taste of the sacrifice uh, that Jesus went through when he uh, fasted in the wilderness and when uh, he suffered on the cross. So that season of Lent is is a time of preparation, a time of returning to God, and it's 40 days. The season of Easter is 50 days and it's a season of celebration. It's a season of feasting and rejoicing, celebrating the good news that Jesus Christ overcame death and gives us new life. And so friends, we're still in the season of Easter. We're still in a season of celebrating, of rejoicing and claiming that new life that Christ has for us. In one of my New Testament Bible study groups, uh, we discussed how when you read the Gospels, Uh, you get to the part where it talks about Jesus died on the cross and then the tomb is empty. And then there's not really a whole lot after that. So in the gospel of Matthew, for instance, uh, the tomb is empty and it almost is like right after that, Jesus gives the great commission, go into all the world, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, baptizing people in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. And then Jesus goes up into heaven. That's what happens in Matthew's gospel. In Mark's gospel, it's even weirder. The tomb is empty. And then there's some parts that kind of been added on at the end, uh, which kind of sound a lot like Matthew and Luke, but it doesn't really tell us a whole lot. Luke's gospel, we get, uh, the story of, uh, Jesus meeting his disciples on the Emmaus road, but they don't know it's Jesus. They just think he's some stranger that's joined them on the road. And then Jesus appears to all of his disciples before he ascends into heaven. John's gospel gives us the most. Uh, Jesus meets with his disciples in an upper room, but Thomas isn't there. And Thomas gets kind of grumpy about it. He's like, oh, man, I missed Jesus. That's not fair. So then Jesus appears to the disciples again when Thomas is there. And he says, hey, Thomas, look at my hands. It's really me. I'm not playing a joke on you. Jesus again meets with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, and they have a breakfast after the disciples have fished all night. Jesus reconciles with Peter, and he talks with his beloved disciple, John. And then John's gospel additionally tells us this in chapter 20, verse 25. I I love this phrase. It's very funny to me. Jesus did many other things as well. If all of them are recorded, I imagine the world itself wouldn't have room for the scrolls that would be written that kind of a cop-out answer right like come on tell us what did he do right we're kind of left to wonder we're left to our imaginations so we can fill in the blanks we can assume that jesus did more with his disciples in that period of time after the resurrection and before he ascended into heaven but unfortunately we don't get all the specific details The passage we heard in Acts chapter 1, it tells us a little bit more of what Jesus did. Jesus instructed his followers. He continued to teach them. He told them stories. He told them what to do after he left, was going to leave them. He continued telling them about God's kingdom. Jesus tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And when the Holy Spirit empowers them, the disciples are then to witness To the good news of Jesus in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then this is where it gets weird. As the disciples were watching, Jesus was lifted up and a cloud took them out of their sight. And as the Apostles' Creed states, we say, We believe that Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. You see, when Jesus was taken up into heaven, Jesus didn't just go on vacation. Jesus is not in some weird holding pattern. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of all creation. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf even now. Jesus Christ lived, died, died, And overcame death with his resurrection. And he lives eternally, indeed. The disciples, they were privileged to witness this moment. Can you imagine that? Watching your friend Jesus being lifted up and carried out of sight. And their eyes were glued to the sky to see what was going to happen next. And as I read this passage this week, I couldn't help but think that this is actually not the only place in the Bible where someone is taken to heaven in quite a dramatic fashion. In the Old Testament, there's this guy by the name of Elijah. He's a prophet. Raise your hand if you've heard of Elijah. Yeah? Okay. So Elijah, he served as a prophet. He went around uh, sharing God's messages with kings and with the people. And often his messages were telling the people what they were doing wrong and how they needed to return to God. You can imagine the people didn't always like to hear that. Along the way, Elijah picked up an apprentice by the name of Elisha. Elijah and Elisha were together one day, and that day was the day that God was going to take Elijah to heaven. So Elijah asks his apprentice, Elisha, what do you want me to do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha asks for twice Elijah's spirit. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 10, Elijah replies, you've made a difficult request. If you can see me when I'm taken from you, then it will be yours. If you don't see me, it won't happen. As the two men walked along, suddenly a fiery chariot arrived to collect Elijah. Elijah was taken to heaven in a windstorm. Elisha saw it. He was able to watch it. And we could no longer see his mentor he bent down and he picked up Elijah's coat that had fallen. You see, Elisha was able to see his mentor go up into heaven. And for him, that was a sign that his mentor's spirit was resting upon him, that his mentor was entrusting him, that God was entrusting him to pick up the mantle of leadership and to carry it on to the next generation. So he picks up the coat He picks up that leadership, and he goes. Whether you read these scripture passages literally or figuratively, I do think that Elijah, Elisha, and the disciples have something to say to us on this Ascension Sunday. Just as Elisha was an apprentice to Elijah, the disciples were followers and students of Jesus. Jesus. After Elijah went to heaven, Elisha did not waste any time. He, he picked up that coat, he picked up that mantle, and he got to work. He did what God was calling him to do. He had inherited Elijah's spirit and was empowered to carry Elijah's work in the world. So too, the disciples, they saw Jesus go up into heaven They are inheritors of Jesus' spirit, empowered to carry on Jesus' work in the world. Can you just picture it? The disciples sitting there, standing there, looking up to heaven, looking up at Jesus, looking up at the sky to where Jesus had gone, when suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them and said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. These heavenly messengers, they interrupt the staring session. These messengers say, hey, there's no need to keep looking at the sky. These messengers, they almost kind of snap the disciples out of their reverie and say, hey, get to work, get moving. And if I'm honest, I sort of find these heavenly messengers rude. Jesus just rose up in the air. It's not every day that you see that happen. I just say, give the disciples a few minutes to process what had just happened. I mean, if I had seen something like that that was so far beyond the realm of my human experience and comprehension, I might be reluctant to turn my eyes away too. I don't think I would just want to jump back into normal, everyday human life. I think I might want to linger for a moment in the holy. <laughs> and yet the holy isn't just when we look up, friends. The holy is there also when we look out. Celtic spirituality talks about thin places, places where heaven and earth meet, And with thin places, the realm between the spiritual and our normal earthly lives is diminished and somehow penetrable. We can sense the holy in that moment. Thin places, sometimes they can be above us, right? Looking up to the mountains, perhaps is a thin place. Sometimes thin places are where we visit and sense the divine. This church could be a thin place for you perhaps the mountains or the beach. The chapel at the Warren W. Willis United Methodist camp is a thin place for me. Thin places open our eyes and our hearts to God. And sometimes a thin place can be uh, the same location. So no matter how many times you go to that place, you know that you're going to encounter God there. The chapel at camp is like that for me. Even though I know it's going to smell like middle school boy, there's something holy about that place. I don't know if it's the thousands of prayers that have been lifted to God in that room, but there's just something about that space. It's peaceful, and I sense God's presence. It kind of gets me out of my normal, everyday routine and in a place where I can hear and see and sense God. God. Thin places can surprise us and happen even in spite of a location. Carol Hauslander describes a thin place that she experienced in her own life. I was in an underground train, like a subway, a crowded train in which all sorts of people jostled together, sitting in strap hanging, workers of every description going home at the end of the day. Quite suddenly, I saw with my mind but as vividly as a wonderful picture, Christ in them all. But I saw more than that. Not only was Christ in every one of them, living in them, dying in them, rejoicing in them, sorrowing in them, but because he was in them, and because they were here, the whole world was here too, here in this underground train. Not only the world as it was at that moment, Not only all the people in all the countries of the world, but all those people who had lived in the past and all those yet to come. I came out into the street and I walked for a long time in the crowds. It was the same here, on every side, in every passerby, everywhere, Christ. Sometimes thin places happen, not because of the location, but because of the people you encounter. A one-on-one conversation over coffee or tea can be a thin place, and not because of the beverage, but because you can sense Christ's presence in the midst of the congregate, uh, in the midst of the conversation. The disciples were in a thin place in that moment when Jesus was taken up into heaven, and as those heavenly messengers spoke to the disciples that day. We're reminded that we cannot stay in thin places forever. The disciples left that mountain, left that space. We leave church or camp, the beach or the mountains, whatever is our thin place, and we return home. We get off the train or we reach our destination. We finish our beverages and the coffee shop closes. At some point, we have to get back to our everyday lives and the tasks that are ours to do. And perhaps that's what those divine messengers meant when they told the disciples to stop looking up at the sky. The time had come for them to look out around them and to get to work. In the case of the disciples, their work was to go to Jerusalem and to wait. Is waiting ever work? Sometimes it's hard to wait, right? Sometimes that can be the hardest work. Those disciples were told to wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower them. They did not know when God would send the Holy Spirit upon them, but they knew they were to wait in Jerusalem until it happened. Acts chapter 1 verses 13 to 14 says, when they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, Alphaeus' son, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, James's son, all were united in their devotion to prayer, along with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. While they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, the followers of Jesus, they waited, they prayed, they read Scripture, They took care of each other and their community, and they anticipated what God was still to do in their lives. Last week, if you were here in worship or you happened to watch it online, Pastor Van preached about the Great Commission. God has called each of us to go and to share the good news. And maybe last week's message fired you up. Maybe you're ready to go. Maybe you're ready to go last Sunday. You're like, come on, let's go. Maybe you sense the Holy Spirit empowering you. That's awesome. We need that. And if that's you, I would love to have a conversation with you to hear how you're fired up, to hear how you're excited, um, and to start thinking and dreaming about what's next, where God is calling us to go as individuals and as a church. And if that's you, let, like, come talk to me after the service so we can talk about that. But for others, maybe you're still waiting waiting for direction, waiting to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's okay. I've been there. I encourage you to do what the disciples did, to pray, to read scripture, to care for people in your community, to listen while you're waiting. Do what are your tasks to do and anticipate that the holy spirit will empower you to send you out to say go <laughs> go and do if this is you if you find yourself waiting and you're unsure and you're kind of waiting for direction or clarity i'll be around after the service we can talk about that as well we can talk about that over the coming week we can pray for each other and with each other that we'll listen to God that will anticipate how God will move in our lives. When those heavenly messengers told the disciples, hey, Jesus isn't here. He's been taken up into heaven. That's good news. Because it means that Christ is transcendent. Christ is both at the right hand of the Father And Christ is with each and every one of us, here and now. Because Christ is with us, every moment has the possibility and the potential to be a thin space. Every moment has the possibility of being a moment where we can be spiritually empowered to go and do what Christ is calling us to do. If only we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to love. Let us pray together. Christ be with us. Christ before us. Christ behind us. Christ in us. Christ beneath us. Christ above us. Christ on our right. In Christ on our left. Christ where we lie. Christ where we sit. Christ where we arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of us. Christ in every eye that sees us. Christ in every ear that hears us. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Christ. May your salvation, O Lord, be ever with us, we pray. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future.